Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris Lotzball. Hey, hey, everybody. And uh, we're continuing through 1 Corinthians. We're picking up in chapter 8, and today we're walking through around chapter 11, just the start of 11, I think. Um, so we're reading over these things. What what are you noticing, Chris? Yeah, Paul actually seems to be addressing a number of very specific situations in Corinth, uh, things that the church had questions about, uh, and generally centered around the issue of freedom. Uh, Corinth was an area that had some mixture of Jewish and Gentile people, so there are different cultures at work here, and there are a number of times uh, in the Bible, but then also, this is true still in our own lives, where Things aren't specifically addressed in Scripture, and so we are faced with this question where we say, what about this? Can we do this? Is it okay? Uh, and I actually think what Paul does, he addresses some of the specific things like eating meat sacrificed to idols or uh, using some of your freedom as an opportunity for stumbling block, uh, even taking rights as an apostle that's as far as being making a living from the gospel, all these specific things, but woven into those specific answers are some general principles that are really applicable to us. Uh, and I think uh, these are some great chapters to discuss with youth groups, with church groups, small groups, just when things aren't clear in Scripture, what guides us to make good decisions. Um, so really quickly, I think chapter 8, uh, the main point there is basically uh, that we don't want to use our freedom to be an opportunity for stumbling block for another. Uh, and so if what we are doing causes somebody else to stumble, it's best to let that freedom go and to not do it. Uh, chapter 9 is a little bit, does it hinder the spread of the gospel? Uh, Paul says, I don't take payment for this because I'm motivated by the good news more than I'm motivated by payment. So when I'm with the Gentiles, I try to do things for the Gentiles. When I'm with the Jews, I try to do things for the Jews. But don't use things that would hinder the spread of the gospel. And then finally, it's, it's even a more personal thing that if this hinders your own spiritual growth, uh, don't do it. Uh, and I think... You know, in a world that celebrates freedom, uh, freedom's only freedom if we're willing to give it up. And these are three good reasons that Paul gives to give it up time and time again. I think it's really interesting to think through these concepts uh, with Paul's actual life in mind. Um, So primarily what I'm thinking about is that Acts 15 Jerusalem Council, and I've talked about this several times at this point, but um, here's a guy that's telling everybody like, hey, pretty much if you're following Jesus and you can, I mean, his language here is very open-handed. Um, like if you can serve Jesus in clear conscience and do this or that or whatever. Things that aren't already prohibited in scripture. Yeah, just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Uh, but this is the same guy that after the church decided circumcision was no longer necessary, he turned to Timothy and he said, Hey, it's time for it's time for you to get circumcised. So this is not um this is not personal freedom, I think, to be like flaunted in front of a crowd or to be taken advantage of. Um, at the core of all these things is a love for Jesus and a love for his church. And so it is Christian freedom, uh, but I think it would have been interesting to see actually how Paul wielded that freedom. I think he probably didn't use it very often. Yeah, and it's, you know, even in our own lives, we have so many of these things that come up, and sometimes they're very controversial, like, you know, there's 
the debate around alcohol or different yeah, things that's, in the that church. That was the main thing I thought of right away. Um, yeah. But then sometimes they can almost be almost a little bit silly. And we know when it's silly, we can, it's easy to recognize, Hey, this isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw, I saw a lot of these things in my missions career as you go into different cultures and you realize certain things in certain cultures are viewed differently. And you have a choice that you either kind of adapt and lay down your freedoms, or you can like kind of get tight fisted and say, no, I'm going to, teach these inferior people the way that things really are. Um, you know, I think of times where my wife, who's an excellent speaker, didn't speak in certain places because it would have been a hindrance to the gospel. Or even just silly things, like there's times when we said, hey, in this culture, we can't play just normal card games, even like Dutch Blitz, you know, Mennonite approved card games. We can't do this because they view this as a sinful activity. Um, I even remember in Thailand one time finding out that if you sat on the back of a motorcycle with a girl who's driving, everybody assumed that she was a prostitute and you were going uh, to use her services. And we were horrified when we found that out. And we're going to say, well, that's not true. And just demand our rights, but said, okay, we're not going to do that. That's not worth it. That's going to hurt our witness. So just even in those silly things, it's like, well, of course we'll lay those things down. But when it gets a little bit tougher, uh, sometimes we we say, no, nobody can tell me what to do. Uh, And then our freedom actually becomes bondage. And I think perhaps corporately we may be in more of a season than nobody of nobody can tell me what to do. Then yeah, I can lay I can lay this down for the uh, honor of those that believe. Our our drift me. is going to be towards uh, our rights. Yeah, because like just the human sinful nature, we're going to think selfishly. That's the normal drift. Our drift is never going to be to preferring others and relinquishing those things. But and that's where we have to continue to be challenged. Like, what do I need to lay down? for the sake of my brother, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of even my own personal growth. Yeah. So this is this is a fantastic uh, place to talk about God's whole story. God's whole story here is radically important because the whole story of Scripture informs us of these types of issues, these types of things. Uh, Paul's not afraid of his rights, actually. Uh, no, he claims them at, yeah. at certain times. We've seen Paul claim his rights. We've actually seen Paul kind of embarrass a community because of claiming his rights, um, I mean, they throw him in prison and he's like, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. Did you know that? And they're like very scared. Yeah, it is one of it. it you bring up a good point because it is one of those challenging things. Like, how do you know when to, it's okay to claim your rights and when you need to lay them down? Like there is a time when we, you know, for the example of my wife speaking in certain situations, there is a time that we can say, Hey, we actually do think the Bible allows for this. Um, and then other times where it's just, it's not worth that. Mm hmm that fight and that hurdle and that hindrance. Uh, and so it isn't always cut and dry of what you do in every situation. Uh, but the questions that we have to ask, Paul doesn't give us the specific answer in every situation, but he's, he does give us the questions that we need to be wrestling through and asking God for wisdom on. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Uh, is there, there anything else in here that stuck out to you at all you want to talk about? or That's the main thing for me. You guys can't hear Chris shaking his head no, but that's what's <laughs> happening. What do you want to talk about? I, I I resonate with a lot of what you're already saying, actually, and I I think the I think the important thing is it is our primary posture not to let things go. And so I I said that I think about drinking a lot in these categories because I I grew up in a culture where drinking is terrible. I mean, you just don't do it. Um, and one of the things that I saw happen a lot is that um, particularly students. So like I had a lot of friends. We grew up in like a no drinking culture. Um. And you kind of hit this point where you realize like, wait, the Bible actually doesn't teach that drinking is wrong. 
And so a lot of my friends would end up just being like crazy irresponsible. It teaches that drunkenness is wrong. Yeah. And then, but it was almost, <laughs> it was almost like the doors just like threw mm-hmm. open and they were like partying all the time. It was very, very crazy. And it's very common actually. Um, and I, I, that is where I think about this topic the most, because actually what I would have rather have learned as a, as a student is that, Hey, you know what? Like drunkenness is wrong. Alcohol is not, it's not this crazy thing, but Actually, it's a really great place to practice um, Christian liberty and Christian wisdom in the way that we have rights. And, and, and sometimes it's harder than just making a, a blanket rule, like, don't well, do this. It, well, it, that's, that's not discipleship. That's actually easy. Yeah. Discipleship is you have to look around a group that you're going out with and you have to say, oh, man, does anybody here struggle with this? Does anybody have a problem? Does anybody have a background that this would be a like a trigger? Like you have, to, it's way harder to walk in love than it is to walk in law. So yeah. my my dad, um, he obviously grew up in a different generation than I did, uh, but his Christian witness was that he wouldn't drink, and he worked he worked out of town on construction crews and stuff, and so they would be out of town working, they'd go out to a bar or something, and he he wouldn't drink, and people would be like kind of drawn to that, like, hey, what what's the deal here? And so, like, a big part of his witness was actually not being part of that. Uh, me, I remember when I was in college or, like, when when I had when, – so I was, I don't know, 22, 23. Uh, I'd go to a bar with my friends, and I'd, like, drink a Coke. And they saw that as, like, who the heck are you? Like, what are you doing? You're just trying to make us feel bad about who we are. And so, actually, in, in kind of a weird way, uh, actually ordering a beer was a way to enter into good conversation and discipleship opportunities with those guys. And so, the, the culture had just – flipped. There's a lot of wisdom that's required in this. Uh, yes, a lot. (laughs) I am not saying go hang out at bars and drink every day. Um, but there's a lot of wisdom that is required in this. There's a lot of, um, restraint that is required on our part. But I think that the the point that Paul's making is that the gospel is always what's important and, and honoring Jesus is always what's important. And so the primary question is not, what am I allowed to do? The primary question becomes, how can I honor Jesus mm. best and, and his community best? That's good. So, Good stuff. Yeah, good conversation. So we'll, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 11, kind of walking through some more really tangible things, I think. So we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, starting verse 1. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols... Yes, we know that all have knowledge about this issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much, but the person who loves God is one whom God recognizes. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and there is only one god. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords, but for us... There is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created, and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created, and through whom we live. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as worship of real gods, and their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if you s- others see you with their superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, they won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. 
And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to a believing wife? With us, as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do, as Peter does, or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion, or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted a spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple, and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights, and I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment, but I have no choice, for God has given me his sacred trust. What then is my pay? Is it the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone? That's why I never dreamed my rights, demand my rights when I preach the good news. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not, am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of God. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race everyone run, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize and that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. 
And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will allow you a way out so that you can endure. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I am saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? What am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significant or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. I'm saying that those sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, too. What, do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you, this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned by eating it? So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the Church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me, I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.